All right, yo guys, what's up? Um, welcome back to episode four of Top Waffler. Um, this should hopefully be going out Thursday. Uh, it's a busy week this week, so I don't know if it'll be up Thursday morning or Thursday evening, or worst case scenario, Friday, but it should be up one of those two days. Um, so oh, the schedule for this week's show is we're going to recap the Premier League match day that happened this past weekend. We're going to set up the rest of the year for the UFC because Uncle Dana's hooked up some sick fight cards coming up over the next three and a half months. Um, we'll re- recap the Raptors game seven loss to Boston and set up the future there. And we will then talk about predictions for the Eastern Conference Finals for the NBA. Um, talk about game seven that's going to happen tonight for the LA Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. And we will also then set up uh, the remaining games in the Islanders Tampa Bay Lightning series in the Eastern Conference final. And we'll also uh, just take a, a brief look at Dallas beating Vegas, which was a massive surprise to me and probably lots of others too. So um, yeah, I guess we'll get right into it. So what I'll normally do now at the end of each, um, or sorry, at this like st- during each episode, we'll go through the previous results for the Premier League weekend. Kind of just recap them, only really talk about them if there's any major upsets. And like this week, there wasn't really any upsets. I mean, the teams you expected to win did win for the most part. Uh, like of the other games like Southampton, Palace, you could fancy like either team, same with Newcastle, West Ham. So it's not really like a massive shock in those games. The newly promoted teams, West Brom, Fulham, and and Leeds all lost. Although Leeds did give Liverpool a fight and lost on the, the 88th minute pen. Um, yeah, like the major, the only major surprise really, or not even a major surprise, I guess. But like one upset that I guess you might not have expected was Everton beating Spurs 1-0 away. I, if, I'm, if I have my facts correct... That is Everton's first away win at a big six side since 2012, I want to say, or 13, something like that. But it's been a long time. And, uh, yeah, so they won off a Dominic Calvert-Lewin header. And, yeah, maybe this is the year Everton kind of realizes its uh, potential and doesn't, doesn't disappoint, and they do challenge for, like, a Europa League spot. Their midfield of Hamas... Um, Decore and Allen was was pretty decent, and if Dominic Calvert Lewin can score goals for them, they they might might be set up for a good season. Carlos Ancelotti as their manager, um, but yeah, it's like this week not too surprising. Obviously, there's four teams that didn't play at all this week, uh, both Manchester teams, Burnley and Aston Villa. So season will start for them this coming weekend. And obviously for the Manchester United front, still no no um, Jaden Sancho signing. Hopefully that happens before October 5th, but with each day passing, it gets, seems a little bit more and more unlikely. Um, there's news coming out that we're close, hopefully, to finalizing a deal for the left-back, the Real Madrid left-back, Sergio Reguilon, I think that's how you say his name. So hopefully that goes through because we need the full-back cover because Luke Shaw, while healthy, is good, but... He obviously is quite injury prone and Brandon Williams is quite a step down and Luke Shaw was like greatly missed towards the end of the season and in the Europa League tournament in August. So getting some fullback cover there will be really good. It also allow Brandon Williams to possibly shift over to right back as he is a predominantly right footed player and could also allow Oli to play three at the back with Luke Shaw playing 
left center back and having Sergio play as left wing back. But that's not finalized yet, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Um, yeah, and then the Jaden Sancho front, nothing there. And not really any major transfers anyways, apart from obviously, I don't know if I touched on it last episode or not, but Messi deciding to stay at Barcelona. So nothing really too big happening in the footballing world. Um, I guess we'll move on to UFC because Uncle Dana's hooked it up, man. From now, this weekend until the the last pay-per-view December, UFC 256, there's some great fights. Like Covington and Woodley slated for this weekend. They've had beef for a while too. And and Covington, as much as his, his political views and stuff, it's controversial. He provides some good sound bites and he's a... There's a funny, funny, funny presence in the press conferences and whatnot. Press conference will take place for that on Thursday, September 17th. So um, that should be a good one. And he's going up against Woodley, who's coming off two consecutive losses where he, he pretty much got dominated. First, he lost his title to Kamaru Usman, and then he lost to Gilbert Burns back in, in May. So for for Woodley, this is this fight, in my opinion, if he loses this, like he's got to retire. He's he's pretty old. I'm pretty sure he's 38 or 37, but he, but he's up there in age too now, right? And it's like if he loses this, especially if he gets dominated in dominant fashion, if he loses this fight too, like that has to be curtains for him. You know, he he's got to retire. And you can be proud. He was a good he was a good champion. You know, uh, but I guess age is just catching up with him. And and uh, like I mean, he could he could surprise me and and beat Covington on. On Saturday, but uh, in my opinion, it's not too likely. I think Colby wins that fight, but it's a good fight, and it's a uh, it sets up an amazing tee of events because next weekend, on the twenty sixth of September, we get UFC two fifty three, returning to Abu Dhabi Fight Island, and have Israel Adesanya against Paulo Costa for the middleweight title. <laughs> the beef between these two is funny as well, so that should be a good fight. The co-main has Dominic Reyes. And Blachowicz, uh, the Polish fighter. So they're going at it for the vacant light heavyweight title. Obviously vacated because John Jones is going to move up to heavyweight. So that's, that should be a good fight. Hopefully Reyes wins that one. And uh, so that's on the 26th at UFC 253. Then you have um, October 11th, the fight night. You have Marlon Marais and the Sandman, Corey Sandhagen. Um. I hope I hope the Sandman wins, man. I really wanted him to beat Aljamain Sterling back in May. He was on a seven-fight win streak before getting choked out there. And man, that bantamweight division is actually stacked. Like, it gets a little less crowded because the uh, Garbrandt is moving down to flyweight. But that bantamweight division stacked. Hopefully, I don't think we will because it's not been announced yet. But I, I really hope we would get Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling for the bantamweight titles like sometime late later in the year because Piotr Jan fought in July. So I was hoping maybe for a December fight between them. But it's it's not been announced yet. Could still be announced, but it doesn't look likely. So hopefully that fight's early in 2021. And I feel like if Moreas wins this, I mean, he is the number one ranked bantamweight right now. So he would probably be next in line to fight the winner of Jan and uh, Sterling. But if Sandhagen wins, like I feel like he would have to win one more fight against a top contender to kind of solidify him as the next con- number one contender for the title. I hope he pulls it off, but that's going to be a good one. Then the week after, we have another fight night. Uh, Ortega against the Korean Zombie. And I think it was the UFC 248 where Ortega slapped uh, 
this is a Korean zombies translator. So that led to some beef between them. And this is Ortega's first fight in almost two years, I think. Yeah, almost two years. Uh, his first fight since his loss to Max Holloway. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, then we go to the week after on October the 24th or 25th, whatever the Saturday is. You get UFC 254, pay-per-view headlined by Khabib and Justin Gaethje to, um, for the undisputed lightweight championship. Uh, obviously, Gaethje is the interim lightweight champion and Khabib's not lost a fight in his career. The GOAT lightweight, if he beats Gaethje, like, there's really nobody else to beat that lightweight. He's already beat Poirier. He's beat McGregor. It's obviously Tony Ferguson, but Ferguson's coming off a loss. He was supposed to fight Dustin Poirier at the same event at 254, but Poirier is not happy with the pay, so he's not accepted the contract. Hopefully that gets sorted out if you get that, and if like Ferguson wins a couple of fights, I don't know if Khabib will still be fighting or not, but I don't know if we'll ever get that matchup or not, but um, just in general, Ferguson and Poirier will be a good matchup too. On the same card, you also have Robert Whitaker fighting Canier, Can- Jared Canonier. Canonier. I actually don't know how to say his name, but yeah, that should be a good fight in the middleweight division. If Whitaker wins that, he probably has a solid shout of getting another title fight against whoever comes out of the Izzy Paulo Costa fight. Um, yeah, uh, Whitaker returned after losing his title to beat Darren Till back in July. So fighting in October again, only a three-month turnaround there, four-month turnaround. So if he if he can pull this one off too, he'll probably put himself back at the top of the list for middleweight title uh, for a middleweight title shot. And then you go to the November pay-per-view UFC 255. You got the flyweight in both the men's and the women's division being defended. Figueredo and Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt got knocked out three times in a row, I believe, before finally winning after his three-fight losing streak, finally winning in, I want to say it was the May pay-per-view. Or, yeah, May pay-per-view, I want to say, when he he knocked out uh, Rafael Asensio. And I don't know, does he still have, like, can his chin hold up? Because Figueredo's got some power, man, for the 125 division. That'll be a good fight. Uh, it'll be two, two power, powerful guys. And, um, yeah, it, Garbrandt adds an exciting name to the 125 division. Can he win the title? I don't know, but uh, it, it's going to be a good one. I look forward to that a lot. On the same card, you have Valentina Shevchenko defending her title against Jennifer Maya. So another card with two title fights. It's pretty sick. And then on the 28th, you had a, a fight night again. It's uh, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades in the heavyweight division. That should be a good one. Lewis fights are normally entertaining, apart from the one where he fought uh, Francis Ngannou, but it is what it is. The week after, too, heading into December, on another fight night card is Darren Till and Jacques Hermanson. And Hermanson's coming off the win over Kelvin Gastelum on Fight Island. And Till's coming off the loss to Whitaker, but he also beat Gastelum in his middleweight debut back in, I think it was March. I want to say, or no, no, it wasn't March. It was last November, I think, because he fought on the same card as Jorge Masvidal. So, yeah, that should be a good fight. And, like, the middleweight division is looking pretty good, too, right? You're going to have Izzy and Costa. You have Whitaker and Cannonier. And you got Till and Hermanson. So, the six right there. And you should see some combination of the winners and losers fighting each other following 
the results of these fights. And then so far, as far as the UFC's announced events, the last event of the year, unless they add another like pay-per-view, they'll probably add some fight nights after this, but I think this will be the last pay-per-view of the year. On December 12th, we get UFC 256, and you get Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns, which is what we were supposed to have in July. But Burns had, or somebody, in, I think it was Burns yeah, himself that had the COVID-19. So we didn't get to see that. Instead, we saw Usman and Masvidal. So now we get to see Usman and Burns, two teammates going up against each other, two guys that both dominated the former champion, Tyron Woodley. So it'll, it should be a good fight. And then on the same card, you got the, the woman goat, you can argue she's a goat across everything. You know, the champ champ, Amanda Nunes, defending her featherweight championship against Megan Anderson. Uh, Nunes is just on a reign of terror, man. Like, she's just... You put anyone in front of her, she just... She wins. Like, you truly quite... Like, the way she knocked out Cyborg to to become the double champ, right? You just kind of wonder what's it going to take to stop this woman. And it's going to take a lot that's for sure but um so that's like that's the ufc cards for, for from now pretty much until the end of the year we got one two three four five six seven title fights spread across the next four pay-per-views three of the pay-per-views have two title fights each and then obviously 254 has just khabib and gaichi but there's like good fights all around, and it's, it's a good time to be a UFC fan. We're getting getting blessed by Dana White with all these solid fights coming up here pretty much every weekend until the end of the year. So um, I look forward to this, and hopefully hopefully the fights deliver. Hopefully it's not like Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero where you thought it's going to be a sick fight, but it just disappointed. Um, hopefully they deliver, and hopefully, hopefully nobody pulls out. That's the main thing, and hopefully none of them pull out because they got the virus. So hopefully no injuries. Hopefully all the fighters are at full health and we get some really good fights to end off 2020. So now we move to a bit of pain, a lot of pain. It's the the Raptors losing game seven to Boston. And this series is so hard, man. Uh, like we go down to nothing. You know, we tie it. We lay an egg in game five where we have blown out. Game six, we have the great double OT win. And it's game seven and... You know, like we take an eight point lead and then we let them go on a run where they get a lead of close to like 12 points, I think it was. And then we're slowly, we slowly chip away at the lead. And I don't think we, I don't think we tied it after that point, but we would, we'd get it down to one and then we'd get a stop and we go the other way and we have a chance to take the lead. And nothing happens, you know. It was just, it was very frustrating because I, I we weren't really playing through Kyle Lowry, who was our best player this series. Instead, even like in a game seven situation, we're trying to play through Siakam and get him going. And at some point you got to realize like this guy's not had it going the whole series. Maybe stop trying to force playing through him to try and wake him up. Maybe just use him as a decoy and play through the guy that's actually been leading you, which is Kyle Lowry. And unfortunately for the most part, we did not do that. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, the last minute Norman has a, a one on three and he goes for the layup, which is like, yeah, sure. If he gets it, it's great, but it's, you're on a one on three, you know, you're most likely not going to get it. Marcus smart gets the block and Marcus, Marcus smarts. A fucking fucking bitch, man. I hate that guy so much. Uh, trolling us after with the King of the North posts and all of that other BS on his Instagram, like buddy chill. You haven't won anything yet and you're not going to win anything. Um, 
Yeah, fuck, fuck that guy though. Um, he's a good player. He got the block, and yeah, then you know it goes the other way. Kemba gets clamped, and he throws it to Grant Williams. Kyle Lowry falls in there, falls out. Williams, so we challenge it. First of all, we have two timeouts. We challenge that there. Unsuccessful, so the foul stands. Lowry's fouled out, and we have one timeout remaining. So Grant Williams goes. He misses the first free throw. And this is where I get kind of annoyed because he misses the first free throw. Uh, Serge has checked in for Kyle Lowry, right? Norman Powell's supposed to be blocking out Jason Tatum. And in that scenario, you still have a timeout. Why not insert Marc Gasol for rebounding purposes? There's no guarantee that we get the rebound and Jason Tatum does not. But it's a better, better, um, better odds, better chances of you getting the rebound with two bigs in there compared to just one. And if you get the board, you simply, you're only down by two because it was 89-87 at that point. You're only down by two. You get the board. You call the timeout. You had a decent amount of time left. I think the shot clock was turned off, so... I don't remember the exact timing, but you know it was only twenty something seconds. You're only down by two. You can drop a play to get to drain the clock and go for the three to get the win and win the series, or get a two and tie it and hope hope that it goes to overtime so you have another shot to win. Instead, uh, Marcus is not inserted. Grant Williams takes the free throw, and misses. Jason Tatum beats out Norman Powell's blockout and gets fouled in the process. He goes to the line. He uh, makes the first I believe and misses a second and then we get the rebound we go the other way no timeout called at this point we still have one timeout Brad Van Vliet is trying to get Jalen Brown to switch off him through a pick uh, through a screen with um, Serge Ibaka eventually it does there's no other movement from anyone else on the court Van Vliet's just trying to isolate Grant Williams and and hit the three to tie because that's what we need at that point you either have to go for a quick two a quick two and then play the foul game or you hold for a three to tie, and we try and held for a three to tie. And the thing is, Van Vliet was on an island there even once he got Grant Williams switched on to him. And this is happening right in front of Nick Nurse, and we have a timeout left, and I still don't understand why we didn't call a timeout when he saw we were struggling. You call a timeout, you can at least draw up a play. Like, fair enough, it doesn't work, but you're at least trying something. And we didn't even try that, which is pretty pretty annoying. So instead, Van Vliet chucks up another hero ball three, and it gets partially blocked. We foul Kemba. He makes both free throws down by five, call the timeout. We don't get a shot off. Boston wins. And I mean, it's a good, like, it's a, it's a shitty way to go out, right? Boston won. There's no denying they were the better team in that series. But when you consider how poorly our best player, our number one option in the regular season, Pascal Siakam played, and when you consider how even Fred Van Vliet didn't play up to his greatest potential, Norman Powell didn't play up, Marcus Gasol had a terrible series too. Like when you consider all of that, those three players playing absolutely horrible for stretches or for the whole thing in terms of Gasol and Siakam. And you were right there. You were within, you pretty much were within a shot of going to the Eastern conference finals with no superstar. It's annoying. It's frustrating. It's a, uh, it's a shit feeling still now too. Like it's still four days after game seven and it's a it's a pretty shitty feeling thinking about it but i mean it's done is done right you can't uh change the past and uh it's just very annoying and very um just very very frustrating to think about 
that's the thing too too like Siakam had a terrible series and for the most part a terrible playoffs right it's okay to be as a fan to be upset with that and to to be frustrated with that and him as a player but those that are like attacking him as a person and all of that stuff um that's just that's very stupid you are very stupid and like you're just you're an idiot straight up um you know this is the thing this guy was in the G League three years ago, the bench player. He was a G League Finals MVP, right? I think. I hope I'm not wrong there. I'm pretty sure. And then, you know, he's a bench player in 1718. Um, you know, part of the bench mob and everything. 1819, Kawhi comes in. Pascal is inserted into the starting lineup. You see massive improvements from Pascal, but that's not with him as the first option, right? He's second, third option after second option for sure after uh, Kawhi. Like some some nights he was third option too after Kyle Lowry, depending on how Lowry's going. But you know he wins most improved player, and you see the steps. And um, and this year too, it's his first year as a num- being the number one option. It's the first year he's seeing everything thrown at him on the defensive end from the other teams. They're game planning to stop him. Right, and it, it's up to him to figure out how to get himself going and how to, how to, um, you know, make sure he's making his shots. And unfortunately, I know he wasn't able to do that in the playoffs, and that sucks. You're allowed to be frustrated with him as a player for that, but to go at him as a person too is just just annoying. And to like continue piling on on him, like it's done. You know, he owned up to it after this after the game on Friday night. He literally. He literally said he takes majority of the blame. You know, he takes a lot of the blame uh, as he should. And hopefully he uses this, like Kyle Lowry said. Lowry, after the wizard sweep in 15, said he read everything about himself, good, bad, evil. And he used that to to become a better player. And hopefully that's what Pascal does now. Pascal's grown and grown every season. And hopefully we see that, that motivation from him and that determination from him. And like... Like he said himself too, right? The three month lockdown period from March to June, he didn't touch a basketball. He didn't have access to a gym. And yeah, sure, you can you can say you can call him unmotivated or lazy for doing that, but like, dude, it's in the middle of a pandemic. Are you really gonna make him go out there and jeopardize his health just so he can get his touches? Like, that's kind of selfish on your part. Um Yeah, like it's it's shitty. It's a shit feeling. And these are part of the growing pains with with players like like Siakam that are being trusted to excel in a role that they they are facing for the first time. And you you got to be willing to accept that and to to grow with him too. You know he he wasn't gonna be a superstar this year, right? He was an all star. He made the all star team, but he wasn't gonna be the guy that can like he's not a Kawhi Leonard, and that shouldn't have been expected of him by any fans and if you did you're not thinking straight for accepting expecting that of him he has to grow into becoming he won't be a Kawhi Leonard like he won't he's not that type of he's not got that type of potential but he can be an all-star and um it's part of us as fans to kind of accept that he's not going to grow into that right away he's gonna he's gonna take his time he's gonna he's gonna have series where he's just terrible and stretches of games where he's not he's not terrible and to be fair his defense was still outstanding like it's easy for a young player that when when their shots aren't falling for them to get discouraged and to give up the effort on the defensive end 
but he, he kept going on defense and his on ball and off ball defense was quite good. So, you know, hopefully he uses this off season now, this, this sting, this defeat, the words being said about him to, to push forward and to motivate himself. And um, hopefully it works out. Hopefully we, co- we come back for the 20, 2021 season. Yeah. That's the new season with a motivated Pascal that's ready to prove people wrong, ready to prove people that that run of games in the playoffs, we won't see that from him much, if at all, in the future. And um, seeing how he's matured and developed each way of his career, each offseason in his career, I totally expect that from him. And um, just the, some of the positives from that series, the play of Kyle Lowry, like just certifying even more, he is a future Hall of Famer. When he retires, he will get his jersey raised to the rafters in Scotiabank Arena. He will get a statue outside. Hopefully it's of him with his fat, thick ass, because that's what he's, he's known for. He's just, he's the best, man. I'm so glad we have him in Toronto. Um, I know Serge Ibaka's play, his shooting was amazing. The shooting kept us in most games. And um, he's going to get paid on the free agency market. Him, Van Vliet, and Gasol, obviously all free agents now. And if it was up to me, I would keep Gasol and Fred but if they get offers that we just can't match you got to let them go and you know good for them especially Fred undrafted to to becoming a starter and he is he's gonna get paid for sure and I hope he gets paid I hope he makes his money and Serge as well this this could be his last big contract you know so he might just you don't know like obviously Serge likes playing in Canada likes playing in Toronto but you just you don't know whether or not um like they would be willing to accept if we can't match other high offers, whether they would accept less money to come back to Toronto or not. Cause at the end of the day, it's a business, right? You can't fault people for taking more money. Uh, that's stuff that helps them out, their families out and, you know, they work their asses off for it. So they, they definitely deserve it. And uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, with Marcus Saul, he, he fell off a bit, man his legs are starting to show like his age starting to show last summer, one of the finals and then the world cup and then everything just wasn't a great season. He still, you can still see it though. He has that the IQ with some of his passes, his defensive prowess is still there. And it's just like, he was missing some gimmies at the rim, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, you know, if a buck leaves and we kick us all on a cheap deal, I, I wouldn't mind it necessarily. But I think it's time to let him go. You know, it's time to say, like, thank you for coming last year and helping us win the ring. Thank you for being a consummate professional, a great player. But uh, it's time we part ways. And I could see him going to a team like the Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, or the, the Dallas Mavericks. I think he could help out either of the, any of those teams. I don't see him going back to Memphis. I think they're they're kind of buying in the youth movement. I do see him eventually when it's time signing like a one-day contract with Memphis to retire a member of the Grizzlies. But um, if he does leave this uh, this offseason, he will be like, I know he didn't have the best season, but he will be appreciated for what he did last year in helping us shut down Joel Embiid and Vucevic in the playoffs. And his shot making, that was still an inconsistent, but, you know, it still helped out and, uh, if that is the last we saw of Gasol in a Toronto Raptors jersey, I just like to 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 like appreciate that, know that he was a key a key figure in two in our best run, our best run ever. And I hope I hope he gets success and I hope he doesn't completely fall off a cliff. 
wherever he goes next. And just earlier today, Nick Nurse was signed to an extension. I haven't looked at. I don't even know if they released the money or the years, but um, it's a good good thing that we did. You know, he's a good coach. He's a top coach in the NBA. One obviously one coach of the year. Some of his decisions you can you can question, which is fair. You can do that with any coach. But I'm very glad that the Raptors have him. And um, yeah, it was just a great great decision to re up him. Hopefully, reing up uh, Masai Jerry's next. You know, and Masai we trust, right? This guy is a great executive and the direction he has and the, what every move he's done, it's led to, to positive success for us. So hopefully an extension for him comes soon. And obviously very happy with the Nick Nurse extension. One of the top coaches in the NBA and very glad he's sticking on with us. So yeah, you know, um, coming up whenever the NBA and the NHL seasons end, I'll obviously going. I'll obviously be going into much more in-depth um, analysis on the Raptors and the Flames. What I think their free agency plans are, and what I think they should do in the draft. Who like who they should trade? Just more in-depth, trying to kind of, um, what's the right term for it? Trying to depict a roster, and what I would do, players I would target, and stuff like that. So that'll be more uh, in in the off season so like next month when both of the playoffs finish and we have a more clear picture of what's going on and i guess to lead into some flames news jeff ward was made the the, the interim tag was removed and he was officially made head coach of the calgary flames and like i'm not too mad at it right obviously i had some choice words for him after the playoffs and it was his first actual head coaching gig and obviously there's bigger names on the market like Gallant and uh, Boudreaux and Laviolette was available but he signed with Washington and like I said a couple of weeks or last week whenever it was uh, Laviolette to Washington great decision by them I think he'll really help out there he's won a cup he's taken three teams to the cup finals I think and a veteran coach you know he'll get the respect of the locker room right away so um, good move by them and with the other two like you don't I can sit here and say as much as I want oh Brad Tree Living is an idiot for not signing them but they gotta want to come here too and we don't know. Maybe he approached them and they just didn't find the appeal in Calgary because Jeff Ward could have been made head coach a month ago. You know, when we got eliminated from the playoffs, he could have been made head coach three weeks ago, two weeks ago. It happened now, happened a month, just about a month after we got kicked out of the playoffs. So you never know. Maybe Tree Living was calling those other guys and they just didn't find Calgary appealing and fair enough to them, right? Um, so with Ward, he's better than what we've had in the past. Hopefully with a full, not a full camp because we don't know how training camp's going to look, but but with with proper camp, with a little bit of a training camp and you know having full reins of the team, he can he can uh, put a stamp on the team. And I think it's good for the players too that are staying because we've had many different coaches in the past couple of years to have some continuity, to have to not learn a completely new system, to have to have some familiarity and hopefully 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 this this uh, is the right call it's too early to tell obviously I would have preferred to have them um, one of the bigger name coaches that are available in the free agent market but uh, it is what it is right you don't know if they wanted to come here you don't know if we approach them you don't know any of that so um, for now I guess it's in Jeff Ward we trust right might not be the right call but that's what we got to do for now and um yeah, hopefully it works out. So um, now it will shift, or I guess since we're on the topic of the NBA, 
or NHL, sorry, will continue talking about it. And um, Dallas upsetting Vegas yesterday and winning the series 4-1, coming back down from 2-0 to win 3-2 in overtime to punch their ticket into the Stanley Cup Finals. And I've predicted against Dallas every series so far this playoff run. So I'm greatly surprised. I mean, against Colorado, they did play them with their starter injured, with um, Grubauer injured, but Bishop's also injured. So I guess you can point to that. But Hudobin's been an absolute beast, man. Gurianov has been sick. Tyler Sagan only has two goals, I think I read, uh, which is crazy. Cause, so they played – they went to six against us, seven against uh, – against – Colorado and five against Vegas so that right there is 18 plus the round robin games he played in I think he played in two he might have missed one so he only in 20 games in this playoff run for them he only has two goals which is pretty crazy to think and they're going this far so you know congrats to Rick Bonus too guys uh guys deserved it earned it he's been coaching I think for five decades four decades something like that uh, in four different decades or in five different decades, whatever the thing was, I remember it popped up during one of the playoff games against us. And, um, you know, good for him. Good for him and good for the Stars. Obviously, it burns a bit because we were literally 11 seconds away from from taking a 3-1 lead and having a stranglehold on them. Makes you wonder, could this have been us? Could we have caught past Vegas and Colorado like them? Maybe not. Uh, but it does put that thought into your mind for sure. Uh, and, you know, I guess to take some solace in it, you could say you lost to the best team in the Western Conference. Not that it's any better because a loss is always a loss. But, um, you know, good on them. And, you know, maybe maybe if you're a Stars fan, you want me to keep guessing against them. So maybe I should just predict them to lose the Cup Final too. And they'll come back and surprise and win, win the Stanley Cup, right? And... They're going to go up against either Tampa or the Islanders. Tampa's up 3-1. They could end it tonight, which would apparently, according to Pierre Lebrun and some other people on Twitter, it would set up the Game 1 of the Cup Finals to go Thursday. So we could see the Cup Finals start as soon as Thursday, which is when this podcast will be going out. So I don't know. I guess we'll see, right? Tampa and the Islanders, I think Tampa will finish it off, though, as much as it would, would be cool to see the Islanders come back. I think Tampa ends it tonight. If not game six, I don't see it going on game seven. Um, in the case that the Islanders do come back, I would predict them to beat the Stars in seven games just because I'd like to see the Islanders win the Cup instead of Dallas. But in the scenario that we get Tampa Bay and Dallas as our Cup Finals, I would say Tampa in five. Tampa's a powerhouse team, even though Hudobin's playing really well. I think the Cinderella run ends for Dallas, and I think we see Tampa win their first legitimate cup because we all know 04 it was in and the Flames won the cup, right? So um, hopefully, I don't know, we'll see. Hopefully it's an entertaining entertaining cup finals. Um, it's been it's been a weird, weird playoffs. The Dallas loss burn. Seeing the Stars do well burns because could have been us, but um, it is what it is, and, and we move. We move forward, so... We go to the NBA, return back to the NBA. Eastern Conference Finals set, it starts today. Uh, supposed to have a special guest on to talk about this, but unfortunately things fell through. So hopefully next week we can get them on again to talk about this. They're, they, they, they know what they're talking about when it comes to this series in particular. So hopefully next um, for next week's episode we get them on. Uh, but we have Miami and Boston. And I really want Boston to lose, obviously, because I just I don't like Boston at all. Uh, I don't like 
Marcus Smart at all. I don't like Brad Stevens at all. Like they're good, they're good people. But um, fuck man, when you go to a seven game series with the team, it's a war. Like you, they're at, they're your enemies. You hate those guys, and especially if, just because of Marcus Smart and his trolling antics. I hope Jimmy Butler puts him in his place and Miami wins. I do believe Butler is the best player in the series. Let's say Butler then then Tatum and Brown and Walker. So Boston has three of the best four, but in my opinion, uh, Miami is the best player. You don't know if Gordon Hayward's going to return or not. If he does, that gives a boost to Boston because then Marcus Smart returns to the bench and him coming off the bench is a luxury because, like I said, he could. he's as much as he is a prick, he is a good player and you got to respect that. He flops a lot, but it is what it is, right? Um, but as I, as I've said many times when I do these predictions, when the series is close and teams are closely matched, you go with the the best player. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler and I'm going to say Miami in seven. I hope that's the case too. Um, I don't really want to see Boston in the finals. Miami, I'm indifferent to really, so it doesn't matter, but Boston's kind of, it's turned into hatred now. So I, I don't want them. I don't want to see them at all have any success. And I'd like to see Miami go to the finals. Jimmy Butler is a uh, sick guy, man. I can only sing his praises. He's a fucking dog, bro. He works hard as fuck. And hopefully, um, you know, his team gets uh, his team gets rewarded and they go to the finals. And who they'll face will depend on what happens tonight in game seven for the Clippers and the Nuggets. So the Clippers have given up a 3-1 lead. This is Denver's second time facing a 3-1 lead. They came back to beat Utah 4-3. Can they complete the second comeback in a row of a 3-1 lead? And this is their fourth straight Game 7 series. Both their series last season against San Antonio and against Portland went to 7. They won the first round. They lost the second round. This year against Utah went to 7 in the first round. In the second round, can they win it? Or will it follow the same pattern from last year? I really hope they win, man. I really hope they win. Like, even though, like, I like Kawhi Leonard, right? And I want to see him do well, especially because he helped us win the championship last year. But at the same time, it'd be so nice to for his team with other superstar playoff P, Lemon Lou, Lemon Lou, uh, Lou Will with the, uh, yeah, um, Lou Will and uh, playoff Paul George, and just to see a team that he went to only go as far as his old team. It kind of just show him that, you know, maybe if he's stuck in Toronto, he could have won another chip in a row and another finals MVP cemented his legacy as being a greater player. And if the Clippers go out the same way, not the same way in the state at the same time as the Raptors, it showed that he left for a team that's not really better than his old team. And who knows, maybe that brings him back when he, he gets back to free agency because I'm pretty sure he has he signed a two with a player option. So I think he has next year and then he has a player option so he could opt out and go into free agency at the end of next season. And who knows, maybe he returns to the North. Uh, I doubt it, but it'd be sick. So yeah, I'd prefer the Nuggets to win. Uh, I think all the pressure is on the Clippers. You know, they have the pressure of being a win now team. They gave up all their a lot of assets to bring Paul George in to help Kawhi and to, to be that second option to Kawhi. They brought in Marcus Morris at the trade deadline, um, signed Reggie Jackson to help out their bench. It's 
it's uh, not do or die for them because they can. I, I'm pretty sure they can run it back with majority of the same team for next season. But it is um, a lot of pressure. They had a three-one lead. They had leads in both games. I think it was a 15-point lead in game five and a 16 or 19-point lead in game six that they gave up, and the Nuggets won. So it's it's win or go home for them tonight, and they have all the pressure, whereas Denver is playing with house money. You know, if Denver wins, um, great for them, like great. Like they're, it'll be the upset, the underdog story, right? But if they lose at the same time, it's – they're going to get applauded for, for coming back from 3-1 and taking the Clippers to 7 and coming back specifically in game 5 and, and 6. So there's no pressure on them. They're playing – they're just playing for with house money. They're playing for fun. All the pressure lies on the Clippers. Can they handle it? Kawhi has shown he can handle pressure, but can his supporting cast handle pressure? With the way Pat Bev, Marcus Morris, and all those guys have been acting, they've been acting like a bunch of entitled – guys that think the title's theirs it'd be so sweet to see them go home tonight but on the flip side if they win we get the battle of LA in the Western Conference Finals which is what everybody was looking forward to last offseason when the Clippers made the moves to bring in George and Kawhi and when the Lakers brought in Anthony Davis to pair up with LeBron so I guess either way, it leads to a sick storyline. It leads to a sick result. If the Clippers win, sets up the Battle of LA, which will be a great series. You have two superstar duos going at, uh, at it against one another. If the Nuggets win, the Clippers are out a team that was expected to win a championship out in the second round after choking a 3-1 lead. And the fun Denver Nuggets, who are a sick team to watch, especially with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, Canadian boy, uh, that are... are um, they're going to the conference finals and that's a good story and kind of like, and they're not like a massive underdog. They're still a three seed. So there still should be a certain amount of respect on them, but um, it should be fun. And hopefully tonight's game is a good one and not a blowout. Hopefully it's a close game. All game sevens that have happened this playoffs have been pretty close games. So hopefully this follows that pattern. So to follow up with this, then I guess we'll just go into predictions of if each team advances, what, what they would do in the conference finals. So if the Clippers, beat the Nuggets I would say that the Clippers win in six games against the Lakers and if the Nuggets beat the Clippers today in game seven I say they lose the Lakers in five so I think the Clippers could get past the Lakers but I don't think the Nuggets would be able to get past the Lakers so like I don't know it depends on on what you want to watch if you want to watch two Titans go at it with one another then the Clippers winning should be your desired result for today. If you want to watch a team get absolutely joked upon and memed upon, then the Nuggets winning, and you just like seeing a good underdog upset story, then the Nuggets winning should be should be the move you want. So, um, yeah, today's episode, we're going to cut it a little bit short. Kind of talked about everything we needed to talk about here. Um, it'll be a, a nice one to listen to. It won't be as long as the other two. It's a Kind of short episode. Um, obviously, uh, yeah. One more thing: the Formula One race on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. The Tusking Grand Prix at Mugello was pretty sick, apart from Lewis Hamilton winning. I mean, the crashes, the red flags, the restarts. Uh, pretty dope. I woke up at lap eight to watch it. So, um, obviously Hamilton winning, pretty shit. But uh, it is what it is. The next race is in two weeks on the twenty seventh at Sochi. It's a 5-10 start here in Calgary, so I definitely won't be waking up to watch that, that's for sure. Uh, Sochi's a boring track anyways, so hopefully hopefully something sick happens and I regret not waking up to watch it, but 
uh, I don't think I won't. I don't think that'll happen. But this past race, the red flags and the restarts were sick. Apart from Lewis Hamilton winning, so yeah. So again, like the the normal here, you know, we're gonna end this one short today. Only forty forty five minutes ish, maybe fifty minutes. I don't know, whatever the timer's at right now. But um, yeah, we've covered everything. You know, when obviously when the uh, when the seasons are done, we'll go into full recaps for the Raptors and the Flames off season. We will hopefully next week we'll get the guests on here to maybe one or two guests. I don't know who's uh, who's willing to come on, but uh, talk about the conference finals in the NBA. And yeah, so if you're bored of hearing my voice, there should be hopefully if everything goes to plan, one or two other voices on this next week. New voices that is. And um, yeah, just the usual. If you guys want me to talk about anything specific or any feedback, anything to build upon just uh dm me on instagram obviously top waffler podcast on instagram make sure you're following and um yeah i'll talk to you guys for the next episode next week thanks for listening and goodbye